0: Welcome back to Story
1: Magic, the podcast that will help you write a book you're damn proud of.
0: I'm Rachel. And I'm
1: Emily. And today we have a guest speaker with us. We're speaking with Emma Desi today about theme and how it relates to story and character. I'm so excited about this
2: chat. Welcome, Emma. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so delighted to be here. It's lovely to see you guys again.
0: We're so excited. We love talking to Emma. We've done several interviews with her (laughs) over
2: the years. So
0: I know. Emma is a uh she's a book coach and an author. And I would love to invite you, Emma, to just to tell listeners kind of who you are and what you do and what you're passionate about.
2: Yay. Oh, thank you. Yay. So I am Scottish, as you can maybe tell. So I'm on the other side of the pond. <laughs> and um I have been writing for a long, long time now, like a lot of people sort of delving in and out um, ever since I was a child and the itch would come and I'd start writing and maybe join a class or two in a workshop and then get all excited and then the the workshop would finish and a couple of weeks later my energy and enthusiasm for the project would wane a bit but it kept coming back, it kept coming back and it wasn't until I sort of was reaching my 40th That the itch came back and I thought to myself do you know what I'm fed up with this either (laughs) I write this book and get it done or I just let this go and move on move on to something new and fresh that I genuinely want to do Mm -hmm. so I thought okay let's just set the goal that I'm going to write a first draft beginning to end and see how it goes and if I enjoy it uh (laughs) fantastic carry on revise if it's horrible painful just that not the experience I thought it was going to be and I never want to do it again then I never have to do it again but at Mm. least I will know one way or the other yeah so luckily for me um I did enjoy it it was fun it was challenging it took me a long long time it took me five years to write that first story Mm. um and I had three preschoolers at the time so it really was writing in bits and pieces Mm -hmm. but one of the wonderful things about what that taught me was that if I do just a little bit but regularly then I'll get to the end of the project yeah and it taught me that I do have some longevity because I always saw myself as not really being a finisher
0: Mm. but
2: that was something I learned I could finish something I could proceed with it I could um stick with something uh and enjoy and enjoy the challenge because some things in life are challenging and not fun (laughs) but this challenge I did particularly enjoy so um So that was great. So I carried on revising, revising, revising and eventually published it. And then went on to publish um, two more that are, I I call contemporary women's fiction, but Mm. very dark, dark contemporary Mm. women's Mm. fiction. But what that did for me was it made me see myself in a new light because at that point in my life, I was sort of look in the mirror and say, gosh, look at you, you're a middle-aged mum. You know, that's it. Your best years are behind you. But actually writing the book, the first one particularly, it was like, gosh, do you know what? I've still got more to offer. There's still new things I haven't explored yet. My my life is not over. I might be a mum and I might be middle-aged, but I'm not over yet. Mm. Um, And that was really transformational for me because if I hadn't done that, then I wouldn't have... you know I wouldn't have written the other books I wouldn't have started coaching I wouldn't have started my podcast and I wouldn't have met you lovely ladies so it's just one thing kind of uh, snowballed into another which I think is one of the lovely things about finding something you enjoy particularly a a creative endeavor Um, Mm. and I remember quite early on deciding I want to help other women do this and other women realize that yeah Yeah. maybe you've got kids maybe you are an empty nester and you feel that the that that magic has passed you by or you know that the moment to write a novel has passed you by but in actual fact it's not at all and sometimes the right time for you to delve in and do it so I knew that that was something that I wanted to do and so I studied story, um, I learned a lot and through um, doing my podcast and talking to other coaches and writers I've learned and studied a lot and then became a coach myself and I love working particularly with debut novelists because that's the biggest, I think the biggest milestone or the biggest hurdle is getting that first one written. yeah. Um, and once you're there, you you, you you then kind of find your feet a bit and you've got a bit more confidence to go on and write that next one if you want to. So that's what's taken me to it. Um, I work with a book coach myself and um, have made a switch, which is fun that, so my women's fiction was very, very dark, mm-hmm. not everyone's cup of tea. And I realized, ah, do you know what? I think I needed to write those stories and get them out there yeah but actually why not embrace that dark side and so I've moved into psychological thriller and I've got <gasps> my I love in it that year.
0: is like not that's what so I cool. would have expected you to say that you write I love it so much I know that's awesome <laughs> that so fun
2: but I've heard this from a few other writers as well that they start off in one genre and mm-hmm. then realize actually their heart and yeah. the style that comes out of them is in another genre and so they embrace that and go Mm -hmm. for it.
0: Yeah. yeah, And it's also like, I think if you write the same type of stories for, you know, for, for long enough, then you just need something new, something fresh. Um, Yeah. It's an evolution, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 There's so much I love about that story. I know. um,
1: I I have like, specifically, I love the audience that you're speaking to. mm -hmm. Um, I am also a mom. I have a two and a half year old. Uh, She's going to be three in a couple months, but I know, and I have already felt that there's this narrative for women that once you have kids, that's it. You, you did it. Like you achieved your life's purpose, which is a lot to unpack. Right. Um, (laughs) Obviously for womenhood in general, but then like, then as your kids grow older and they move out, then what? And it's always like, that's the narrative of like, you're done. And men don't have that narrative of yeah. they get to have their whole rest of their life. But once women raise their children, like their purpose is concluded and mm-hmm. whatever. And there's so also I, those... like, <clears throat> Oh, sorry. I didn't want to, I was to gonna say, I, I love that you're speaking to this group of people that can do whatever they want and that they, that they can write books and they can be creative and like life doesn't end at children or after children, like you are still a whole complete person that can have hopes and dreams and visions and pursue them with fervor and passion. I love that. I love that you're helping and speaking to those people. Yeah, it's inspiring to folks who want to have children as well and who fear
0: Right. That that's giving up. <laughs> like, Yeah. Oh, no. Well, you know, once I have kids, I won't have time to do any of the things like the the mm-hmm. story of starting in the midst of that is just so it's yeah. so powerful and exciting. Yeah. And I love how you framed it as I'm going to try this thing and I'm going to reach the end and yeah. then I'm going to decide because yeah. writing is so difficult. And that that is like you said, it's the biggest milestone is reach, like finishing that first book. Yeah. And until you've written those words, you don't really know, you know, yeah. what, mm-hmm. if it's for you or not. So yeah, oh, goodness, we could go down so <laughs> many tangents.
2: <laughs> but yeah. we're
0: here to talk about theme.
2: <laughs> I know. So, where should we start with theme?
0: Why don't you tell us why you brought this to us? Right? Why, why this why this theme for
2: the episode? I'm I'm this kidding. theme for this episode. <laughs> it's not this theme. Because it's something that's on my mind a lot, and it's something I talk to my students about a lot. And um and it's a tricky one. I think it's actually quite a hard concept to grasp, mm-hmm. especially for those first two, maybe first, maybe one, two, three books. Mm-hmm. Certainly, I should speak from my own experience. I found it hard and um because i work with first-time novelists i've noticed that they also find it hard so Mm. i'm kind of pleased that i don't think it was just me um because i'd heard about (laughs) and you know i'd hear people talk about it and i'd read about it in blog posts and in craft books and I have to admit, it got to a point where I would just skip over that chapter yeah. and just see yeah. yeah, the next one. <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't quite know what to do with it. I didn't, fully, didn't feel a sort of concrete. It felt very abstract in my mind. Mm, not actionable. Um, so I thought it was just an interesting topic to bring. And maybe your listeners will have some thoughts about it. And it might give them, just if they're not including it already, just another way of kind of deepening their story if they're at that stage in their writing yeah so maybe i could start with my sort of interpretation of what i would um, love that i was gonna
0: suggest it i was like i bet we all have different definitions of what
2: (laughs) well the pen drop for me when i um i was mentored by jay thorne who's a writer and coach and uh he has a fantastic community he's a horror writer so completely Mm. different to me um and has many podcasts and um he described it to me as um what is it you're trying to say about life with this book Mm. Mm -hmm. for me that made sense that felt concrete definite firm and I could that's something I could think about then I didn't have an answer I didn't know what I was trying to say about life at that time yeah and um but it just gave me something to ponder on and I and I did for a long time but it sowed that seed of what it could be and after that, I no longer avoided those blog posts or that chapter about that subject, but could kind of start to delve into it and try and look for it um, in other people's writing and sort of think about, OK, what, what do I think that that writer was yeah. trying to say? It's probably totally different to what the writer was actually yeah. trying to say, but what would be my interpretation of that? So I don't know if that fits in with your your thought of what theme is. Yeah, Pretty close, I'd say. I um, We like to think about
1: theme or at least what, what made it click for me because I feel like I have a very similar of this is very nebulous. I don't really understand. You know, like in, in our school system, we would do book reports and have to decide this is what the themes of this book are. And it was very um, sterile. I don't know if that's the right word, but it was always like, tell me the themes of this, of Pride and Prejudice. And you'd be like, like I don't know, love. And, like, you just kind of label it with words and <laughs> all of a sudden that's your book report. But it never, like, same way that you said, clicked of how do you create that or what does that look like or, or how does this become integrated into a novel, which I know we're going to talk about. Um, so when I when we first learned about the idea of a story point, which is essentially a thematic statement about what you think what you believe about the world or how the world should be that's when it it clicked for me cuz it took an idea like love or class and it brought it to love can overcome the obstacles of class and then you have like oh that's what my book is about mm-hmm. so i like to have the the sto- the story point or the theme the way i think of it is like the elevator pitch for your book the the one line sentence of this is what my book's about it's about overcoming the obstacles of class by falling in love um, which was the story point of Pride and Prejudice. That's why yeah. that's why we came back to that. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's that's my interpretation of it. It's very yeah. much what the author is trying to say about what they believe about the world.
0: Mm-hmm. That's so interesting because I've always thought of um, story point and theme is slightly different. Mm. Basically, how you just described it—that like themes are in in the way I think about it are like those broader stroke kind of topics that you're dealing with. So like in your example, you know, love and family and class are the themes Mm -hmm. and the story point, the thematic statement that you're exploring is like, you know, connects all those things together into one sort of sentence about, like you said, uh, Emma, you know, something you want to say about life. Um, So that's really fascinating because I had a, I had a A client once asked me kind of, is it okay if I have multiple themes? And I was like, well, you kind of have to, because your thematic Mm -hmm. statement in the way that I define it, right? Your thematic statement contains several different themes that you're exploring. Um, But the reason that I, that I like thinking about it that way is because I feel like the story point is the, the way we teach it is that core lesson that your character is going to learn. It's that core thing that you're trying to say to readers and the takeaway you want them to have. But in that your story is so much more complex than that one statement, right? You're exploring Mm -hmm. pride and prejudice explores all kinds of angles about class. It explores all kinds of angles about love. And so I kind of like having that flexibility between like the specific story point, which is actionable. You can do something with that versus Mm -hmm. the themes, which I think if you don't have a story point yet, all you have to work with is theme, right? Like I'm just starting a new book right now and I don't know what my <laughs> message is. I don't know what my point is yet. And so all I have to work with is these kind of themes that I have. My gut is saying we're exploring these, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know if that's if that's useful, but that's kind of that's kind of how I've always looked at it. Yeah.
2: That's interesting. Yeah. I hadn't thought about sort of dividing it up in that way and having the story point or the statements um and then having the themes as being separate and being multiple of them. I have to this point, you know, up until now, and, and maybe I'll change after our conversation, but I've seen them, yeah, very much as the one thing that it there there is one theme and one statement that, that are connected and they are the driving force for that novel. And yeah. um and, and it's the protagonist that is driving that forward um but me just thinking about it you know maybe if you are writing you know of fire and whatever it's called game of thrones you know when you've got yeah. something as massive as that yeah. and you've got a lot of protagonist characters and they maybe each have their own theme mm. or story point that they're working towards mm-hmm. but certainly for your standard novel i have kind of thought that they were one and the same but it's interesting that um to hear you kind of talk about it as being two yeah. different things. I'll, I'll be pondering on that. Yeah. So do you mean I feel- that you have multiple themes um, in a book? So if we'd stick with Pride and Prejudice and, and mm-hmm. Class, so um, if it was multiple, so would the different characters have the different themes, kind of, they'd bring the different themes to it or that, that kind of protagonist brings those many different themes to the story, do you think?
0: I mean, I think so the and precious is a great example because we have charlotte lucas right because charlotte lucas contradicts the story point she because if the story point is love can overcome the obstacles of class charlotte doesn't she marries for for money for stability for safety right and so i feel like the way that i would kind of describe that is i feel like jane austen is exploring themes of what does love mean you know, in a world divided by class, and what does like those bigger life questions of like, how do we navigate love in a world of class, and how do we overcome that? And the because of like having more the freedom to look at the more abstract pieces of it, she can create a character like Charlotte Lucas, who is in direct contradiction to that, um, to add complexity to the story.
2: So, mm-hmm. I guess,
0: um, yeah I can't remember what your direct question was. <laughs> I've lost it, but but I do think it it allows for some more of that exploration of of what you're trying to say of the intersection maybe between the themes that show up in your story point
2: oh, oh, oh interesting. yeah, but I guess then they they all ultimately lead to do they ultimately lead to that story point? I think so. Oh, yeah yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that would be that would be like the goal is that you have. I I used this metaphor with um, one of the members of our tenacious writing community a couple days ago. I like to think of story point and theme as like um, a dance floor where everybody's dancing to the same music, but Mm. everybody has a different dance and everybody's feeling different things and they may be like moving their body in different ways, but it's all the same music. So in that metaphor, like the music may be the story point, but the individual people may be the themes and the characters that are like moving around the dance floor to that music.
2: Oh, mm-hmm. I like that. That's a yeah. lovely metaphor. Yeah. Oh, I been- can visualize that. I can
1: visualize Yeah. It. yeah that's right. really useful. That's it's really like useful. Stuck in my head um, from one of the questions <laughs> that we received in that community, but um yeah, I think and and for, for anybody listening in, we the story point idea is taught by Lisa Cron. I don't think we mentioned that in her book, Story Genius. So I wanted to call that out. That's a fantastic book. Go check it out. And then we we like to adopt and adapt that idea to work with our clients.
2: Yeah, I can echo that. I it's on my shelf behind. I love yeah, it. I think, I think it's about the best approach to starting a novel that's out there. Yeah. 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 Totally. So agree. do you find that you um well, I know that you don't Emily because you're still figuring out your <laughs> story points. But um what about you Rachel? Do you find that you have the the story point in your head before you start with theme? Uh, the uh, it
1: sometimes for me they they it's it's a little cyclical. So sometimes I'll start with like so I'm writing a fantasy romance right now and I knew I wanted to talk about insecurity and vulnerability and love and failure like perfectionism and um talking about like the the idea of of not being enough so I knew I had those and I knew I had a story point that I wanted to start with of like um love is being vulnerable with all your insecurities something like that mm-hmm. um and as I wrote the book and I I think the themes have stayed really solid because I know that's what I wanted to talk about. But I continue to refine the story point until, I, and I feel, I feel I'm feel i still doing that work. Um, I'm in the middle of the 2.5-ish draft. Um, I'm just about to hit the all is lost moment, which is the structure beat in Save the Cat, where it's the character's big failures. And I think that is a very important moment to show you what message you're trying to say, because... Once your characters hit their failure moment, they then have to learn something from it. And what they're learning is your message. So I'm wrapping this into our conversation because I think it's tough to know exactly what it is your characters are learning, exactly what that message is that you're trying to say until you've put your characters through it. so I'm getting to that point and I think I'll do another revision of my story point after that, but I, it still will contain those themes of love and failure and perfectionism and insecurity and vulnerability and how to, to truly fall in love some, with someone. Um, you, have to, you have to bear that. You have to be open about that. You need to share that with mm. them and, and find acceptance of that vulnerability. So we'll see where I refine it to. But does that ask, does that answer your question? I think they kind of yeah. go back and
2: forth, and they inform one another. Yeah, I think that's been my experience, and maybe yeah, it sounds like Emily, that's been your experience as well. Yeah. Um, but certainly that's been well. Actually, I'm trying it differently this time. So the book that, we'll hope fingers crossed, come out later this year, that one I was exactly the same. I was kind of almost. I was def- Yeah, I was definitely on the last round of revisions for it, and my coach, who's um an author accelerator coach so she's very much in Lisa Cron's uh, world yeah. she kept saying to me what's you know you got to think about this what is what are you trying to say in this book you know what's the point and it's it I couldn't think about it for ages but it was literally you know back of the brain stuff where one day I just had this epiphany about what it was
1: mm-hmm. but I'm not
2: sure I at that point anyway I could have thought about that ahead of time Mm -hmm. which I have been advised to do and I'd say I guess Lisa Cron even says that you know you ideally in an ideal world you you have that figured out ahead of time but at that stage no I, I couldn't have done that and I had I had to tell myself the story exactly and get to know the character a bit more and really Um, sort of flesh out all the problems that she was having and all of her insecurities and the things that were going wrong to realize what it was that she was trying to overcome. Um, But this time I've started a new manuscript and this time I've I've worked out ahead of time because I've been following the book. So we'll see how it pans out and if it stays the same or if in fact it maybe changes as things revise. I hope not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know. I hope not, but... Probably. Probably. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah,
0: because I feel like when I when I think of it, I think it's really difficult not. like I don't know personally, I don't know if it's possible to write a book without having some kind of thematic statement, yeah. even if it's not intentional. Because you're having characters who are making choices, like characters who believe certain things, who are making choices based on those beliefs, and those beliefs have consequences, right? So whatever consequences you give their actions kind of says something about what you believe about life.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and so it might be like really muddied. You might have several of them. But I think it's kind of difficult not to have, especially if we think of theme in terms of overarching stuff like that kind of stuff slips in is it a story about family is it a story about love right um and then kind of what are you showing the reader about that so I think you know ultimately you're gonna if writers are like I don't have a point and I'm like you know halfway through my book or whatever I haven't thought about this I think that's okay because like your subconscious is trying to say something through your story and Mm -hmm. even if you don't start the book with it like eventually you're going to get there um, mm-hmm. because you're going to kind of figure out what your characters, what journey of change they're going on and mm-hmm. what they need, what they need to learn to change. Right. Cause it's change comes from our beliefs. So I think, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't think you have to have it from the beginning. Um, but I do think it, and I also think that it's impossible to have it from the beginning. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's mm-hmm. good to have direction, but like it, you're not going to know exactly what you're trying to say until, like Rachel said, you get to that, you know, yeah. that ending point where you've said it, <laughs>
2: yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yeah, and that's, that certainly that's why I encourage my students to do. I seem to, I attract pantsers, so yeah. they are people mm-hmm. that, like me who are just working this out as they go along. And so that's why I do sort of say, give them that freedom. I don't talk to them about theme or story points mm-hmm. um, until after they finish that first draft, and then we go back and we look oh, at outlining the story. And saying, okay, so what do you think that you're trying to say with your book? And often they're they're flummoxed by, and it does take quite a bit of time to kind of go and have a think about it. And you know, we can have a co- one coaching call that that's all we talk about is yeah. what is the story about, and trying to wheedle it down to something very, very specific to um, that character and that character's life and what's happened to them, and what it is that um, that they personally need to overcome.
1: Mm.
2: because the more specific we can be with it then the more universal it is exactly. in that paradoxical yeah, exactly. way <laughs> yeah
1: i'm so glad you brought in process because <laughs> i was thinking the exact same thing as far because i consider myself on the pantser side of the spectrum but um have always really struggled with putting things in place like a story point and a plot before i got writing um and I, I think some of this has to do with how your brain works and how your brain approaches the writing and the, and the idea process and getting things out on the page. Um, and in our in our coaching program, story point is almost the first thing that we do um, for any writer. Yeah. But there's, there's like a value in knowing what you're aiming for and also very much knowing that you may pivot four or five times throughout the process mm-hmm. but if you start with, um, like, th- I'm speaking now from pantser experience, but we do this with our with our clients, at least if I know, like, I'm talking about love and vulnerability and perfectionism.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's like something to aim for, even if I haven't written that draft and I need to write that draft to, like, explore what it is I'm actually trying to say about those things. Because mm-hmm. um, I I agree. I don't think that you necessarily, like, need the perfect story point statement or thematic statement before you start writing the book. I do think that you're it's going to change. Um, but there's a reason that we that that's the one of the very first things that we do in our coaching program is because you've yeah. got to you've got to know or you don't have to. Because actually the next question I was going to ask you is, do you need one? Do you need a thematic statement? But before we get yeah. to that, like um it there's a focus and direction it can give you, even if, you know, if you have a thousand different paths you could take, even if you know I, it might be one of these 10, like that mm-hmm. at least is a focused direction for you to go versus the other 990 that are not right. Yeah. <laughs> but I think um, it's really fascinating
0: too. Like Emma, you just said that you attract pantsers who are yeah. working on like their first stories. Right. And I feel like Rachel, we attract a lot of people who are, who come with stories they've been working on for a long time, whether they have finished a draft or not, yeah. it's something that they have been mulling, right. They've done like that exploratory work. And so we, we do like hit hard on the story point when we're working with clients, because oftentimes there's something in there, right. That they've already explored that they're trying to say. And as I'm working with clients who are starting new stories, um, like their second stories with me and we're starting from square one, it's a very interesting process Mm because it is very difficult to, to figure out what you're trying to say before you even know who your characters are and what you're exploring and like all of these other things so it's it's kind of opened my eyes to I think the usefulness of thinking about theme as something broader as you know well my second book in my series is going to deal with how my character is going to manage you know power right now she has power she got power in the first book and now she has to learn how to use it right that's Mm -hmm. not a story point but it's a direction right it's a themes of power themes of responsibility themes of leadership right and Mm -hmm. so we can start to explore some of that in her you know in characterization and like just exploratory stuff but it is like process is so important and it's and it's important to know like just because a tool exists in a craft book at a certain stage in the journey doesn't mean that that tool needs to be used at that point in the journey right (laughs) yeah people like it and i think new writers can, can want that direction and there's nothing wrong with that right when you're coming at something new and you're trying to figure out how to do the thing right mm-hmm. um, having that direction but th- that's it's not a rule there are no <laughs> rules <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I think yeah. what you've said there both of you actually I think you know I was just thinking about okay so how would somebody start approaching having a story point or a theme what would they how do you even figure what that out is? But I think that your description of theme, your definition of theme, I think that is a great way to start. So if someone mm-hmm. is contemplating a story or is stuck halfway through a story and doesn't know what's going to happen next, then being thinking about what those bigger themes are might just help unstick the writer and help them, them move on. And then yeah. as they finish, then kind of narrow it down and get more specific. But it's, it does feel um i just do remember and to a degree i suppose i still do it does feel a little bit scary maybe about trying to or you feel or i certainly felt oh am i am i being a professional writer here am i being a proper (laughs) writer if i don't have this yeah but um uh but i I think you can still write a book well and maybe this is i'm preempting your question but i still think you can write a a manuscript anyway without it but yeah it adds something to you have that i think yeah well well, i mean
1: let's talk about that because we've kind of touched on do you need one and i think we've gotten to the place of um it's very helpful if you do you don't Mm -hmm. always need one to begin with i think i think we're maybe all on the same page that it's very great to have one end book right like we're aiming towards that Mm -hmm. but emma what does a theme do for you what does it add to your story
2: It gives my character a focus as well. And I think what it's done for me is it's taken me beyond the plot line. So if I think about those first Mm -hmm. few books that I wrote, I was very, very concerned at that time. that I had to have a good plot. I had to have an exciting Mm -hmm. plot. It needed to be twisty and there needed to be surprises. And I was very sort of concerned with that. And I'd say the character took very much a secondary sort of role in my hierarchy of what was important yeah and that was fine and it served me well at that time at that you know, that stage I was at at my writing and um, but I think now what it it gives me more enjoyment I think and it is mm-hmm. a bigger challenge for me now to add in that theme but also because I'm making sure that there's some kind of reference to it in every scene with with that protagonist character then it's helping giving them a a drive and a momentum forward and if if they're kind of reflecting if that character is reflecting on where they were and what they're trying to fight against then helps them make a decision about what they're going to do next Mm
0: -hmm.
2: um and so so in a weird kind of way um they're making the they they're writing the next chapter in their their book in some ways because depending on what's gone before and their experiences before they're going to, um, they're, the, what they decide to do next will be based upon that. So, you know, if we think about our Pride and Prejudice um, example, if if um, Elizabeth hadn't overheard Darcy saying those mean things at the ball, then she might have been more agreeable to him. But because she's got that experience now, there's no way that she's going to have anything to do with him it doesn't matter that he's the richest guy around (laughs) and he happens to be very handsome and just ticks every box he's been (laughs) horrible about her family and her particularly so that changes everything but if she hadn't overheard that and didn't know he'd said that then I'm sure she would have been much more keen to get to know him earlier on (laughs) in the story and then we wouldn't have had such a fabulous story (laughs) I think that's what it's given for me it's just helped help me um excavate a character a bit more and find them more interesting it's helped me to um, drive their story forward but i mm-hmm. think also as just as a writer for my own personal challenge i've found that the next level of me getting better and and being new more nuanced with emotion because mm-hmm. of course it's all very well to think it but then it's got to be put on the page mm-hmm. and I would find myself getting quite frustrated with my coach when she said, yeah but what's she feeling here you know what's really going on in her mind here and it's like yeah
1: I don't know <laughs> <laughs> it's like A It's why question
2: yeah.
1: why why is it like this why does she feel this thing our Sweet. clients hate that too <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: So then I'll go in a huff and we'll finish the call and then I'll go away and I'll stump about and be cross about it. But when I next come back to look at it, I'm like, oh, okay, now I know. Now because yeah. I've thought about it and I've gone away and I can come back. And then I'm all smiles again when we have our next call. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh my God. So we,
1: we talk about the idea of plot and character being very intertwined, where your plot is has to do with your character's journey and your character's journey is what influences the plot. But I think theme is what interconnects them. The, th- the themes of the story, the story point, the thematic statement is what ties those two things together. What do you think about that?
2: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, absolutely right, Um, because we can have, uh, when we start a story, even as panthers, we've usually got an idea of what's going to happen and where we want it to go, even if it's just the beginning, middle and end. But Mm -hmm. sometimes when we delve into the thematic statement, the point, the theme, and that starts to influence the direction of the story, we may find that in fact our original idea, there was nothing wrong with it, but it's now no longer fitting with that character and what they need and what they want in that story. And of course, you know, we don't know what other characters might come in yeah. and sway their decision and sway their path as well. So I think they're absolutely intertwined. And I think that is one of the things that makes the whole reading experience so much more pleasurable for somebody because yeah. they see and they, they, they don't recognize it. They wouldn't articulate it but they feel it, they feel yeah. that everything is connected and everything makes sense. Of course, the character would do that because this is what's happened to them and that's what they're feeling when they meet so-and-so or they go mm. to this place. So I agree with you entirely that they're very intertwined. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Yeah. we'd like to talk about it because we've got the the story point, right? Which is that thematic statement, which we like to describe as the thing the character needs to learn. Um, in order to succeed in their goals. And, and then we have the opposite of that, which we call the internal obstacle, which is a belief that contradicts it. Um, and so before they can learn the story point, they have to believe something else, right? And that mm-hmm. that is driving their decisions. And so I like to think of plot as like um, testing that flawed belief, whatever they need to unlearn. It's like the plot is designed to teach them that your thematic statement your story point um Mm -hmm. and if you just have like random plot events that aren't pushing towards teaching them that readers feel that I I believe that readers really feel that sort of meandering through a story
2: yeah Yeah. I think it depends what the reader is looking for so if I think Mm. about some books they're very very surface they're short they're sweet you know you, you and that fulfills a certain need at a particular time like I can mm. think of a friend of mine who she was a human rights lawyer she had a very serious job um, you know dealing with not not the nicest stuff in the world and um, so nothing was greater for her than say a Jackie Collins because mm. it was just a complete switch off that book didn't need to have a theme that book didn't need to have a story point it was mm. fulfilling something else which was about switching off. Mm. But I think there are other stories that we go to that where we do want to have that. Uh, it's less about the thrill, but more about the feeling something mm. and going on a journey with that character. Um, so it's interesting. But certainly, I've I've read some stories from some some indie authors and it's that, oh okay. You know, the story itself had a lot of potential, but there wasn't that depth, there wasn't that connection. And so it didn't fulfill its potential. Mm. And I think if we add the theme, the story point, all of those things into a, a plot line, then we we just give it that 3D feel. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That so that makes me think, um, so I have a client and we're writing we're writing romance together, just fun. That her goal is to write something fun and lighthearted. And we try to inject a lot of humor into it. Um, because her, her zone of genius, so to speak, or where she finds the most joy out of writing, is when she's writing things that are fun and lighthearted. And we have this discussion. So we've worked together on four or five books together. And um, we have this discussion almost every single time. Not not in a in like an argument way, but like we have to work through these things together where um, she will have a, a story point and then we will develop a plot that is like serious. And then we have to like inject the fun back into it and then bring back like the whimsy. Mm. And that that has happened now like two or three times. And we've we've learned a lot throughout the process. But when you were saying like maybe books that are just the switch off don't necessarily need a, a, maybe the themes, but not necessarily a, a huge story point that's making me think about this client of um, I will probably still continue to use a story point, but it's making me think of like, okay, how do we find the balance then between yeah. mm-hmm. the books that switch off and the books that have a story point? What What's the line between them? Or what does it look like to, to create a story that's f- for the switch off for the fun for the and, and that's not to say that books with a story point are only serious. Yeah. Um, it's like, that's not my, that's not my point. Um, <laughs> But yeah. Anyway, it's make, it's making me want to ask you, like, what, where do you find that line, or or how do you know what it is that you want to write, or what,
2: what's what's the switch? So I think you can have that balance. I do. I think there's um a lot of you know uh, funny books out there that still have a story point, that still are trying to say something, that their protagonist is still on a journey learning something. And sometimes, and I have spoken to other authors about this, particularly more experienced authors Mm. who um, are doing very well. And they've maybe got, you know, 20, 30 books out. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I know I should have a story point, but I don't give it much thought now. And my theory on that is um, it's because it's now embodied in them. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're so yeah. practised that they don't need to give it the same depth of thought that newer writers need to do, including myself. Um, but I still think, you know, thrillers, romance novels, they still need to have something that's driving the story forward. Mm. But I think it also comes down to the writer, and kudos to your student who is working with you in this way and who who wants to write a good quality story who wants to write something that's worthwhile, not just to be sort of thrown away at the end. Um, And so it depends on the writer as well. Do they want to deepen their craft? Do they want to get better at what they do? or are they happy just to throw something out that is on the surface fine yeah but so i think it comes down to the writer as well and what they want but i think there is that balance to be had and it sounds like um that's a lovely way of doing it you know working out that story point and getting those sort of most to describe it more serious yeah. things in there but then she gets to come in and do what she does best which is lighten it up with the dialogue and the, the description and everything yeah. And that works really, really well. Yeah, so um, I think that's, I don't know how I would find that line or, or I wouldn't have a definite kind of formula of finding that line. I think it would very much be a case of um, taking each book as it comes and seeing where the author's at at that time, what's going on in their head, what's what's running through their mind and what do they want to talk about in the book. Um, and maybe at that time they're not wanting to go into anything more deep than you know you've got to love yourself before you can love anyone else and maybe it's just as as simple as that yeah Yeah.
0: is that but that's still a thematic statement right like
2: yeah but it's not a you know it's not a it's not a kind of it's not hugely profound Mm. you know it's one that's fairly we all recognize it's not one that perhaps needs a whole lot of thought put into um but it's still something we can all recognize and we can all understand and it does have that universality about it Mm -hmm. um but she's not having
0: i I was just thinking about because i want to ask you the question this question i still want to pose this question to you of like for those books that don't you know where it's not necessarily that they don't necessarily have that thematic statement kind of what makes them cohesive and drives them forward because i'm thinking and then my brain went to thinking about romance and how Pretty much, I would almost argue that inherently at the center of romance is each character has to kind of learn something or let something go before they can come together. Before they can love, yeah. And I feel like that's where the thematic statement would lie. So I'm just curious, mm-hmm. like for those, you know, for those turn off books for, um, you know, how do you see the success of those stories in terms of what is it that's keeping them kind of cohesive cohesive and driving them forward?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, good question. So the, I'm thinking of the books that I've read where it didn't, for me, come together. And the plot line was fine. You know, they had that cause and effect trajectory, that thing going mm-hmm. on. Um, but I just felt there wasn't anything at stake for the character. And mm-hmm. that wasn't set up at the beginning, you know, uh, I'm thinking of their sort of um, women's fiction ones and a few romance ones and it just felt like well that's lovely they're going to get together mm-hmm. and that's going to be really lovely but what am I going to take away from that mm-hmm. as the reader What am yeah. what's keeping me on the edge of my seat I don't know what's at stake for this person at the beginning of the story mm-hmm. and why they need to keep away from that person or resist the change that they need to go through in order to um accomplish something or learn something about themselves or change their life situation. And I think for me that was the turn off. And that's where I kind of I didn't finish those books because I kind of thought, oh well, I know this is all going to turn out nice. And I I'm not feeling for that character. I'm not rooting for her because it um because I can kind of see where it's going and it's smooth. You know, they've done definitely done that work. Like I like probably like me in those beginning days. Yeah, I've got my plot line and it's all working smoothly and one thing leads to another to another, but I'm not really connecting it with what's driving the internal of that mm. character and why it's so important to them. And so I think for me that is the 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 themat- the thematic statement or the point, the yeah. theme, that's where that feeds into your character because and we understand why it's so important to them that they mm. they resist the change or that they resist Darcy. Um or whatever it might be does that make sense
0: it totally makes sense yeah. it's almost like those they're like those books are saying something just because you know something has to shift towards the end in order for the characters to end up together or whatever but, but uh it's a matter of how deep is it how much have you thought about integrating it into the rest of the story and all of that and so it's kind of i like this distinction of like how deep do you go Right. Like mm-hmm. how how much do you weave it in um, and how much do you do you want to bring it to the forefront um, mm-hmm. of the story?
1: Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, I like that. There's mm-hmm. a, a new genre that's kind of emerging right now called cozy fiction. You heard of it before? Familiar. So, uh, so di- different from cozy crime or? Yeah, different from cozy. It, it's not crime. It's just kind of like, well, here's here's the thing is it it's low stakes. That's mm-hmm. hallmark basically of this emerging genre and people call it different thing. I've also seen it called low stakes fiction, but that's really what it is. And one of the major books in it that I have on my Libby right now, and I have been waiting forever to get it. And I just got it is legends and lattes um, by Travis Baldry. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a fantasy, but it's a, it's literally the title is literally legends and lattes, a novel of high fantasy and low stakes. And it's supposed to be just enjoy it. You don't have to worry that your characters are gonna <laughs> die. You don't have to worry that they're like again that they're fighting against this really big thing. It's literally just to like have fun and you know, settle into your little book nook and enjoy it. Um, mm-hmm. and I've I've seen this come out a lot. And I, I think a lot of it has to do with the nature of our world right now, where people want to enjoy something yeah. that's low stakes that doesn't feel like the world's going to fall apart if your characters don't get with this once. But yeah. it reminded me of this, that
2: those books are, this book is hugely successful. Legends and Lantes. Yeah, um, I might have to read it just to, I've not heard of this, you know, the, yeah. the of this new genre. That's really interesting. I hope people are reading those alongside though other stories. Yeah. Do you say something about the world and do yeah. help the reader see life from a different perspective?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I think, I think I've, I personally have had so much pers- like learning journey and personal growth from reading about the experiences of other people and shifting my own worldview because I've been enlightened and I'm able to empathize mm-hmm. with other groups of people that are that don't look like me or don't believe the same thing that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I agree. I think people yeah. should be well read in those books. And then this is um, the client that I was speaking about. Um, this is what we were aiming for of something yeah. that's low stakes that's fun that still is speaking to something but necessarily is isn't like everybody's gonna die yeah. if you don't <laughs> figure
2: it out i, I love that dis-
0: oh go ahead emma
2: no I was just saying, i'm gonna look out for for this new yeah. uh, this new uh, genre
0: Ooh. i've seen it i've seen that book everywhere but i haven't picked it up yet i finally um. have it i'm just gonna
1: i'm probably just gonna buy it on kendall i've been waiting on libby but
0: I finally Do have it, it now <laughs> But it's, it's, it's interesting though, because I think it's, it brings into, I'm just really glad that we kind of got to this point of talking about the purpose of stories, because I think that there are like different types of stories have different purposes, right? And so there are stories that are meant to really teach us something and really make us or really make us feel something or, you know, take us through an emotional journey, right? Like, but then there are also stories that are designed to be comfort right mm-hmm. and that there's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. um whenever anybody says like us uh, something is low stakes I always think of Downton Abbey because <laughs> when I- I was going. I was climbing out of really deep burnout. Was the first time the show I had. I missed the boat by like a log, long shot, and so it was finished by the time I got to it. And so I just binged the whole thing. And my husband, like, like in the middle of the workday, because uh, I just was really trying to recover. And my husband, every time he came up, would just look at the TV because you know something would be happening. Oh no, he dropped the dish. Oh no, the queen is coming. Right, like, and it just was like the stakes are so high, and they were. Not, but there was something so comforting in that, right? Because you knew, I mean, for the most part, that everybody, you know, that it wouldn't be (laughs) that everyone's gonna be okay. I I was about to say that I was like, no, lots of people die, but like, (laughs) but you know what I mean? Like, and then, and then later on, when I had another really low energy period of time where I, I just didn't have the emotional capacity to, like, you know, carry heavy stuff, I read every single Bridgerton novel, which I would argue each of those books, each of those books have their own message, but it's, I was not there for the message. Like they, they were cohesive. They had story points. The characters had to learn something like very specific, but that's not why I was there. And that it, it wasn't like those themes were very deep. They were trying to change my life, you know, anything like that. And so I think those types of books and stories and TV shows are necessary we need those. We need comfort. That's how we got through COVID. Let's be real. Yeah. So, so I just want to kind of call out that like theme is important and it can make your story, you know, more cohesive to have that story point. Um, even if it's a light Bridgerton novel or light fantasy romance, mm-hmm. yeah. um, it's just as valid and important that you get your stories out in the world you don't have to, you know, change everybody's lives.
1: Do you know, yeah. You just said that it brought you out of burnout. And that like changed your life because yeah. you are an entirely different person than you yeah. were in that phase of your life. So yeah. it, di- it did. It did. Yeah. Even if like, I mean, I don't know that I would ever set out to write a book that, probably because I don't know that I could feel like I'm able to fully tackle that topic. But that that is of is a the idea of like, I'm going to write this book to provide comfort for somebody, to provide yeah. lighthearted fun that maybe is going to, give them a light in what feels really dark. Yeah. It, beautiful. Beautiful. I'm so behind that. And mm-hmm, it did yeah.
2: it changed your life in a mm-hmm. very positive way. Yeah, that's way. a good
0: point. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah.
2: I wish I could do that. I would love to be able to do that. And I tried <laughs> <Me> to <too. laughs> I've tried to write up lit, you know, something light and frothy. And within chapter two I've taken I've gone down a dark alley. <laughs> right. And it was just like I <laughs> so dark you're not meant to write (laughs) (laughs) it.
0: it's a skill it's a skill it is a
1: skill it's a skill Mm -hmm. Uh, well that's like like the skill of comedy uh, and like what it takes to be an actual comedian I'm not talking about humor I'm talking about like comedians are some of the what you might call like the most dark people on the planet but they're (laughs) able to make light of like the nature of the world and that's that's their bread and butter. But like those people have to be very introspective and very thoughtful and like very considerate of what they're saying and what jokes they're making and what topics they're going to tackle and make light of or, or help people see Mm -hmm. a different side to, um, it it has the same vibes for me of like, that's a skill. Like some people might be naturally funny, but to be like a comedian is a skill. Mm -hmm
2: yeah definitely there's definitely a deep observation and kind of understanding of human nature yeah and being willing to go to that dark place so that the rest of us can laugh and feel feel better about it yeah yeah because I feel that way too is that okay okay we're laughing that's yeah yeah yeah
1: (laughs) Okay. So we have a couple more questions. We, this is such a great call. Our, our interview is getting longer, but which I am so here for, I, we could talk all day, but how, if we're talking about theme and thematic statement and this idea of a story point, what does it look like to start to incorporate that? Like we know it gives your story focus and direction. We know it's going to give you cohesiveness because you know, you have all of your dancers dancing around to the same music, but how do you incorporate the theme into each scene?
2: oh good question so with my students i um after they've written the first draft we go back and then we look at the outline and so Mm. um we look at what happens what physically happens in that chapter so what action takes place Mm. and then if by then we've hopefully figured out what the story point or the theme is then we look at okay well so how does that chapter relate to the theme you know, what's your character feeling at that point and how does mm. it relate to what's, you know, how do the two intermarriage? We talked about them in mm-hmm. that intersection of plot and theme. So we do that in the a sort of outlining. It's really simple document, pretty much bullet points, um, trying to make that connection. And this will change over time. Um, I think students get really nervous to write it down in case that's yeah. that it's in stone. And I've got yeah. one student who she writes it in her notebook first and then she when she's ready and she's happy with that then she'll put it on the document but yeah. i want i want un- people to understand that that's it's a working document and it will mm-hmm. change and um and move as it as you go but then that's a great way of just getting that top line of each scene okay or each chapter this is how it relates to the to the plot the, to the um the theme but then within the manuscript itself i Kind of those sort of big decision moments when my character is kind of having a deep thought about something. It's usually it's always in the internal dialogue mm. that I put it into um, that when they're thinking about something. Okay, so and they're not thinking, oh, so how does this relate to? I have to love myself before <laughs> I can love anybody else. But it's yeah. more about okay, um, what's gone before? What have they learned before? And what have they learned from their life experiences? okay, I did that last time. Um, I know I should do something different, but I'm too scared to, perhaps. And so they make the same mistake again before they're kind of learning to change things. But if if we see that internal dialogue in, on the page, then the reader can kind of go along with it and understand, yeah. okay, this is why this character is making another bad decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't agree with the decision they're making perhaps, but I can see why they would make it because They've gone through this ex- past experience and they're explaining to me on the page mm. why they're making this current decision. And then, little by little, they begin to like those breadcrumbs, they begin to see, okay, do you know what? I've done this, made this decision twice in the past. It's not served me. I need to try and do something else. And then they make a different decision based on what's gone before. And again, mm. this is all internal dialogue that we see on the page, it's written on the page. Um, and then we get to see, OK, well, what's a different outcome now? Because they've made a different choice. And then they, the character gets to reflect, ha, I made a different choice and it's worked out better. Yay, I must remember to do that again in the future. And so little by little by little, we see how that character progresses until we get to that all this lost moment where they may have taken a step back and made some of their bad dis- decisions that they would have made in the past. And they've because res- res- we we do that as humans, don't we? We when things get tough, we fall back on what's familiar. Yeah, it feels easier rather than having to be strong all the time and do something new and kind of push down our fears. Yeah, but then we get to that all lost, all is lost moment, and that's when they my characters has to decide. Okay, I either give up and just let whatever's going to happen happen, or I realize that actually I do love myself. And um, now that I know I love myself, I can be more open to loving somebody else. And so they get vulnerable with themselves, which allows them to get vulnerable with the other person. And so,
0: mm-hmm.
2: yay, they've learned that that story point by the end. But for me, it's very, very much about putting all of that internal dialogue on that page. And I think this is something, I don't know if you've had this feedback from people Saying, oh, well, if I, if I put all of that, if I write all of that down, I'm I'm really doing a disservice to my reader because mm. they'll understand, you know, they've seen it in the action and then the conversation, they'll know why my character is doing it. And then I'll kind of say to people, well, you, particularly in early drafts, you, you sort of want to treat your reader, yeah, like they're a bit stupid because <laughs> um, that's what helps you get it down on the page. Yeah.
0: yes. Mm-hmm. And
2: we have to try and remember that our reader can't read the mind of your character. You have to tell them what your character is thinking so they understand why your character is doing what they do and saying what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, it's a tricky one. And you do feel like you're dumbing down and treating them a bit silly, like they're idiots at first, but, but it's not. You're just giving them the information they need.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: We have lots of big feelings about <laughs> that topic. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but yes, we we have we work through the exact same questions and kind of sticking points with both our clients and with the members of our tenacious writing community. And we've done um, we consider internal processing or internal dialogue as part of the show don't tell question. Where um, so you just mentioned telling your reader what the character's thinking, and we feel like so we talk about as you're showing the reader why they're making decisions. Um, so the only way that your reader is going to know why they're making the decisions that they're making and why they feel the way that they feel is through showing them their internal thoughts and yeah. mm-hmm. uh, processing of the events they're experiencing. Um, and ver- with every client that I work with, especially in early drafts, I encourage them to go over to like overwrite it. Um, and we I, we always talk about it. You no, know, every single person of like, well, how do I know how much is too much? And I'm like, right now you're not asking how much is too much right now. You, you need to know you have to get Mm. it on there and you can always pare back
2: in Mm -hmm. revisions.
1: Once you have a very tight idea of what they think and believe, because I think that ties very strongly to our conversation earlier. If you don't quite know your story point yet,
2: so you Mm. don't quite
1: know where the final version of that is going to end up. And so is that character's flawed beliefs? Are those characters flawed beliefs exactly what you need them to be yet? And, for me, my process is exploring that through what they think um and the way that my characters are going to show up on the page. Mm-hmm. Then I can narrow in what their actual flawed belief is. And then that helps me narrow in what the story point is and like what those themes are. So it's it's mm-hmm. so important to me to have all those thoughts there. Um and I mm-hmm. I do get pushback from some people of like. But you you are treating your reader like they're, they're silly or they're a little bit stupid or I want – I've heard to – I want it to be open to interpretation. I want mm. my reader to be able to interpret like they can think for themselves. That's a big one that I've heard before. My reader can <laughs> think for themselves. And I'm like, but, but, but can they, number one? Um, and number two, like are you getting the reader to feel what you want them to feel? if you aren't showing them what the character is yeah. feeling. Mm. I don't think that's as effective. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you're asking
0: the reader to do work. A lot of work. In, and yeah. wh- they're going to, yeah, they can interpret what a an action, like why a character might have taken an action, but they're going to put their own... Spin on it. Their yeah. own like past assumptions, their own worldview and assumptions onto that decision. Whereas there's always so much nuance to why any person does anything because it's always built on our past experiences, our backstory, our, you know, what's happened to us in the past. And so introspection, mm-hmm. putting introspection on the page allows you to kind of draw from that and give nuance to why a person's doing what they're doing. Um, because mm-hmm. yeah, your reader can can project but they're gonna be projecting
2: (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's such a good point they will they'll be projecting from their own life point of view and then won't understand why your character then makes the decisions they and then get confused and frustrated and you risk them switch closing the book then I guess absolutely yeah but you know Rachel just as you were talking I was thinking it's almost like um it's almost like we're journaling on behalf of yeah. the character, and I'm certainly one of those people. I don't know what I think until either I say it out loud or I've written it down. Yeah, and it's, I kind of was thinking about that. Or well, maybe it's like that. That's what we're doing for our characters. We're given with that internal thought. We're giving them the opportunity to journal. Yeah.
1: yeah, I know. I know, Emily. You, you've done this more frequently than I have. But you have a whole exercise that you do with your yeah. clients to have them journal from a character's mm-hmm. perspective.
0: Yeah, when when it's when you're having trouble tapping into that scene, I think it can be helpful to just interview the character, not as if you're going to put that on the page, but to just sort of sit with them and ask them, okay, what's going on? Like, what are you thinking and feeling about what's going on in this scene? Um, And that that can help get to that deeper level of of what's going on.
2: That's a great idea. I think I'm going to incorporate incorporate that with someone I can think of right now. Yeah. Nice. We
0: should. I good. love Give it. Oh, my goodness. This has been amazing. I do not want to eat up your whole day. Anne. I know. We're so can you, can you tell us, because you are just amazing, and I know folks are going to want to find um, more about you. So can you tell us about what you've got going on, what your general services are, Share with us how folks can find you, all of those good things.
2: Oh, thank you. Well, the best place to find me is my website, emmadesi.com. And I do offer um, one-to-one coaching with with people on various different sort of terms. Um, And I also offer manuscript evaluations as well, which are great fun, I really enjoy those. Mm -hmm. So if anybody has a manuscript that is, say, two or three drafts in and they, they need someone to look at it, I would gladly do that. But I would particularly like to give um, a shout out for my first foray into nonfiction.
1: Yay, I was so excited to hear about this book because I'm on your list and I've been eyeing it.
2: Oh, good, well, I love it. I'm really, really proud of it. Um, it's, uh, It's an anthology and the exciting bit about that for me was being able to reach out to people I knew who knew would just do a really good job on the different topics that I wanted to incorporate in the book. Um, and it's myself and my friend, Grace Salmon. We were kind of pulling this thing together. Um, so if anybody is curious about book coaching and what that involves, there's a whole chapter in here about where it comes oh, wow. from, why it exists and how it can help you. But we've got a really lovely mix of things. So we've got um, what you would expect, you know, story structure, point of view, that kind of thing. But we've got some chapters I think are really beneficial Um to novelists and so we've got some re- a research chapter which is great it's particularly good because it's so practical mm-hmm. um, she tells you how to search for things and um, so the example that she gives in the book is you know if you're writing a western and it's set in Dallas and you're searching Dallas Cowboys but you don't want the football team mm-hmm. she sort of shows you exactly how you can eliminate those results from uh, from your research We've got a chapter on grammar and punctuation, mm. which is wonderful, because we don't need a whole book on it. We just need a chapter to tell <laughs> us what we need to know. Um, and one of my favorite chapters is um, about show and tell. Love it, and yes. Both of, which, uh, which just blew my mind when um, mm-hmm. I so talked to her about this. So that has come out. It's called Launchpad, the Countdown to Writing Your Book. Um, love it. It's part of the series. And the second book is out as well. And it's Launchpad, the Countdown to Publishing, your book. That's fabulous in exploring the different ways that you can – find an agent, find a publisher, looks at self-publishing, looks at traditional publishing and looks at hybrid publishing. It's a really, really good chapter on just kind of clarifying what hybrid is because a lot of people think, oh, it's just vanity um, or it's a scam and that's not necessarily true. So really, really useful chapter Um, and a final great chapter also about royalties and the business Mm -hmm. side of it and just understanding how royalties are worked out when you can expect to get them and that kind of thing so um, i'm thrilled to bits about it uh, and so i would encourage anybody to go out if whether you're a new writer or you're just looking for a bit of mojo you know rejuvenation then it will give you what you need and the best thing about it is that at the end of each chapter there's a top 10 countdown Oh, where each so... contributor, these are the top ten things that they think are most important for the reader to go ahead and implement so that you're taking mm. what you're learning in the chapter, you're implementing it, and therefore you get to embody it. And the next time you get to your writing desk, you're you're already a, an improved writer. Love it. We're uh, gonna put all those links. amazing.
1: Yeah. We're gonna put all those links in the show notes to your website and to both Launchpad books. So if you're interested, check them out in this in the show notes. No. Can't wait to get my hands on them too. That's
0: awesome. <laughs> oh, thank, thank you, you so much. It's been so lovely. It this has, has been amazing. It's really such a great amazing. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Alrighty. If you want to build a successful, fulfilling, and
1: sustainable writing life that works for you, you've got to get on our email list. Sign up now to get our free email course, The Magic of Character Arcs. After seven days of email magic, you'll have the power to keep your readers flipping pages all through the night. Links in the show notes. We'll see you there. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.